Hello and welcome to the first monthly newscast brought to you by Procurement Express, which will cover a range of topical news stories, uh, predominantly to do with procurement and supply, but not necessarily. So I do reserve the right to talk about anything I want. Uh, in addition to that, we will have from time to time guest speakers who will be able to give their perspective on current events affecting procurement. I'm Kala from Telso Procurement and this month's news stories are As tensions increase between Russia and the Ukraine, we have a look at the impact on global supply chains. The US Senate has introduced a modern slavery bill and we'll look at the impacts on US firms and further afield on, of this legislation. And finally, we'll look at the sector that seems to have broken records uh, during and post-pandemic, the luxury goods sector, uh, and we look at the challenges they're facing to keep up with demand on the back of uh, the pandemic. So the first story is that amid escalating tensions between Russia and Ukraine, uh, a number of firms will be affected by the disruption caused. Supply Management Magazine has given some figures in terms of firms affected, um, so in the US, 1,100 firms uh, and in Europe, 1,300 firms are affected by having tier one suppliers uh, either in the Ukraine or Russia. In addition to that, 5,000 firms uh, are likely to be affected by their tier three suppliers who come from either Russia or the Ukraine. In terms of uh, sectors that will be affected, I think the, the, the primary one is the energy sector. As you are probably well aware, gas prices have gone up uh, tremendously, as well as oil price. I think the oil price today sits at uh, or hovers around $100 per barrel. Um, so this will have knock-on effects on, on prices. Food prices as well. Um, something which I didn't know is that Ukraine is the third largest corn exporter in the world. Uh, and Ukraine is the top exporter of wheat in the world. So there will you know, certainly be knock-on effects in terms of disruption, in any uh, supply chains that include those commodities. Uh, there will also likely, and we're seeing it already, be uh, export controls or restrictions or sanctions, which will restrict the supply of um, products coming out of either U Ukraine and particularly Russia. Uh, and again, this will increase the price of uh, raw materials, which will work their way up the supply chain to your own organizations and affect the prices that you pay. And finally, cybersecurity. The uh, Global Trade magazine has stated that uh, there's a threat of malicious cyber activity. In 2017, there was an attack on a Ukrainian tax reporting software, which spread across the world, affecting uh, ports, manufacturing plants and government agencies in the United States. The Bank of New York actually stated that, you know, a number of companies, including Maersk, Shipping and FedEx, lost a total of $7.3 billion dollars as a result of that particular malicious um, virus. So I think from a procurement and supply perspective, the first thing that we need to be doing is carrying out risk assessments on our critical supplies to assess to what extent those supply chains are exposed to the tensions uh, in Russia and Ukraine. And on the back of the risk assessments, which means you know talking to suppliers, asking questions about their own suppliers, and the, you know, the third tier suppliers. Uh, and on the back of that assessment, to then think about mitigation strategies. So such mitigation strategies could be to evaluate the level of inventory uh, that you currently have and in the medium term. Also consider business continuity plans with your suppliers to ensure that you minimize the disruption in the event that there, there is disruption. And prepare to switch or qualify new suppliers. 
have a plan B, preferably more local suppliers who are not dependent or not exposed to the conflict or the tensions arising in Ukraine and Russia. The next story is that uh, two US senators have introduced a bill to eradicate modern slavery. The name of the bill is the Slave Free Business Certification Bill, uh, and it's been brought by Senator Josh Hawley, a junior senator from Missouri, and Senator Kirsten Gillibrand, uh, a junior senator from New York. Now, this is on a bipartisan basis, so it's likely to enjoy a successful passing through the legislature. And the question is, well, what impacts will it have on US organisations and, and, and companies abroad? Now, the bill itself actually stipulates that any company uh, in either the mining or the manufacturing sector, uh, that could include clothing or um, smartphone production, that has a turnover over £500 million, must have a statement or must publish a statement signed off by the board of directors, which essentially states that there is no modern slavery going on in their supply chain and any modern slavery uh, reports that have come about have been fully reported and made public and you know the necessary actions that need to be done have been done or are being done. So I think from an organisational point of view, uh, whether you work for a company that is, you know, that does have revenue over 500 million or potentially you are a supplier to um, an organisation that has a turnover of 500 million dollars, you will be expected to uh, look into your supply chains as far as modern slavery is concerned. Um, now, there are a number of steps you can take uh, to initiate that process. The first thing, if you don't already have one, is to uh, come up with a modern slavery statement, which again is signed off by your board, which articulates your value and your position against modern slavery and your zero tolerance towards modern slavery. But in addition to that, talks about the steps that you are taking to um, identify any gaps in your supply chains that you know allow for modern slavery to take place and what you will do about them in the event that you, you find those gaps in, um, in supply chains. In addition to that, identifying risks in your current suppliers. So think about it in terms of geographies, potentially where uh, your supply chains extend to developing countries. There may be more pressure um, on modern slavery, which is not to say that modern slavery doesn't go on in, in developed countries. It certainly does. So that too needs to be looked at. Also in terms of commodities, especially at the, the primary sector stage where or the extraction stage um, where the potential for you know child labor, forced labor is likely to go on. And also to look at or highlight workers' risks. So potentially have a whistleblowing policy, um, not just in your own organization, but encourage your uh, suppliers in your supply chain to also have whistleblowing policies that you know allow early identification of any uh, breaches in modern slavery to come to light. In addition, it's worth thinking about supply chain due diligence, which essentially means uh, having some kind of qualification verification process, especially from your tier one suppliers and beyond to understand what steps they are currently taking in terms of vigilance to uh, identify and eradicate any modern slaveries in their own supply chain. Also to ensure that they have um, a mission statement, which states their values and their you know zero tolerance towards uh, modern slavery and you know having such measures in place will uh, make it more likely that you will win business with companies who have a revenue of over 500 million because that's what they'll be looking for if this legislation goes through and you know in addition help you retain business if you already have business 
with, uh, with such companies. And the final story for this month is that whilst many sectors have struggled during the pandemic and um, post-pandemic, one sector that hasn't struggled is the luxury goods sector. And there are a number of examples to support this. The first is that Rolls-Royce uh, in 2021 sold the most cars they've ever sold in a year in their 114-year history. Um, they sold 5,586 cars, which suggests that, um, in addition, champagne, the go-to drink for success, um, sales hit a record $5.7 billion, which is a 14% increase on pre-pandemic levels. Uh, which suggests that, um, you know, during the pandemic and post-pandemic, people that did have money decided what the heck they were going to spend that money because I think if there's one thing that the pandemic brought home is that uh, you want to make the most of life. And for those people that do have the money, I think they've expressed that through buying Rolls Royces and drinking a lot of champagne. Another example of that is Hermes. So Hermes make uh, luxury bags, uh, which uh, I'm sure some of you are familiar with, uh, if not own. And they haven't made record profits uh, in 2021. However, the reason that they haven't made record profits is because they couldn't keep up with demand. So essentially, they had to say no to a lot of customers because they simply didn't have enough bags available for the demand that was out there. And that demand came particularly from the United States and China. And there's been such a, a lack of supply of bags that actually the second-hand market for Hermes, particularly Birkin bags, second-hand bags are actually as expensive, if not more expensive, than the new bags. And I think there are a couple of other luxury products, such as Rolex watches, Patek Philippe watches, that have a similar trait, where the, the used market prices are just as much as the new, the new uh, product prices. Now, Hermes has come out to say they are committed to increasing supply of bags. So they're going to open uh, three new factories in France. And excuse my French pronunciation, but uh, the three towns of where the new factories are going to be built are Louis and Saumon and Riom in, in France um, to produce more bags, to, to keep up with demand. Uh, and when I read this, I did think about, you know, what is the supply chain for making a Hermes bag? And by the way, we're talking about bags that range from $5,000 to I think the most that has been purchased was for £300,000. So these are high-end luxury bags. And the one for £300,000 was actually made out of crocodile skin leather. So, you know, it did get me thinking, you know, if you're, if you're trying to ramp up supply, what is the supply chain like? And can the supply chain bear the increase in, in demand? So I have some numbers here in terms of, you know, what it takes to supply these bags from, from Hermes's point of view. Currently, they have 4,300 artisans or leather workers who actually make the bags uh, themselves. It takes 15 hours to make a bag, a Hermes bag. And the chairman, Axel Dumas, stated that they are not prepared to uh, produce bags faster. In other words, make bags in, let's say, 13 hours because potentially that could affect quality so they're going to stick to the 15 hours it takes to make a bag and one bag contains up to 15 suppliers and these suppliers are to do with the straps the zips um, the handles and they range from countries or the suppliers range from countries such as Italy South America and Portugal so it's quite a diverse supply chain and as I said you're talking about uh, some exotic uh, materials such as crocodile skin um, and actually, you know, five years ago, there were allegations against Hermes in terms of unethical suppliers from their crocodile skin suppliers. So 
you know, potentially all well and good that Hermes want to increase the supply to meet the demand, but they also have to recognize that it may have a knock-on effect on their supply chains in terms of risk. The increased demand could force suppliers to cut corners to ensure that they can meet those demand, particularly, you know, materials like crocodile skin. I'm not quite sure what the actual um, production or what it takes to produce uh, crocodile skin for bags is, but increasing demand could put pressure and increase the temptation on suppliers to um, act unethically in terms of uh, making sure they have sufficient stock to supply Hermes. And therefore, it's incumbent on Hermes that whilst they're increasing their supply of the bags to meet the new demand, they equally apply uh, sufficient resources to um, address potential increase in risks of unethical supply. So look, that rounds up today's uh, monthly newscast. If you have any new stories that you'd like us to cover during next month, please feel free to uh, get in contact with procurementexpress.com and I'll be happy to uh, talk about it then. Thank you very much for listening. So that wraps it up for another episode of the Gross Profit Podcast. If you liked what you heard, please consider subscribing and leaving us a review on iTunes or wherever it is you get your podcasts.